1: Oh my gosh, the holiday season's just about over. And I know everybody's had their fair share of struggles because my phone and email has just gone off the hook. I received 14 emails from frustrated family members. Uh family members who are caught with their you know, eyes in the headlights kind of thing and Everybody that is uh, really realizing all the things I told you was going to happen in my previous shows, that you're going to come to your home, you're going to get together, you're going to see somebody having memory or cognitive problems, you're going to have a little meltdown, everybody's going to freak out, and it doesn't go well. And I've gotten lots of letters from people saying, I am just done, I need a care community, I need this, I need that. So I want to address some of those things that have happened and why people need to pay attention to their own needs and and really looking at, am I in the best position to help this person? You may need to en- enlist the help of family and friends to help you. Uh, you may need to sit down with the person and talk to them about getting a doctor appointment and diagnosis, and timelines on those things are a long time right now. If you go, and please don't just go to your regular GP, your general practitioner. If you do, be prepared to ask for a referral to a neurologist. But uh, I would try to see if you really think somebody's having problems, um, if you can get that referral as quick as possible because you, even though this is happening today and you're melting down today, you're struggling with it right this moment, the truth of the matter is you're going to have a, a four to six month to maybe eight month wait just to get into a neurologist. You may have a four month wait just trying to getting into your own general practitioner. I mean, with the flu and everything else going on, there's all kinds of of things happening. And... So if you're going to do that, you have to think. I had someone that called me and wants to move her mom into a community. And uh, I've been talking to her for a long time about this. And when it came down to it, she said, I I said, well, have um, have you talked to her at all about you know, getting her um, financials in order. And she said, well, no, uh, no, but I'm ready. I'm ready to move her tomorrow. If we can move her tomorrow. I said, "That first of all, that's not going to happen. The person doesn't have any money. So what's going to happen is they're going to have to apply for Medicaid. Medicaid is for people who don't have any money. And you have to get less than $2,000. It's somewhere around $2,000 in assets monthly. And so if you don't have any money, then you can apply for it. But you, if you have more than that, or if you have you know, a savings account or something like that, you have to get on a spend-down. And that spend-down may take... It may require, like, anywhere from six months to a year, and that is because it may take that long just to get signed up for Medicaid. There's a reason for all these waiting periods that happen. It is not easy working with the government. Oh, my Lord, I've sent copyrights in and waited six to nine months on some. I've gotten others back in six weeks. You know, it's just its a matter of... You know, sometimes it's supply and demand, and you just have to work within the realm of of the timing of everything. So then, you know, getting family members to kind of help you to have some conversations, to have some intervention, to to talk to the person about the problems that they're having. Um, please do that. Please. Gather your wagons, talk to people, and then sit down and talk to the person. Don't gather everybody and talk about the person because you're setting yourself up for failure. There's a lot of adjustments to be made. And especially if you want to keep that person at home. If you have to keep that person at home, there's a lot of adjustments to be made. Is somebody going to move in with them and help them? Um, Is that person going to move in with you? Are you going to look at all that and go, wait a minute, this is way too much for me. And then shift gears and think you're going to get them into a community at some point. There's just so many things to think about. And it's not just your concerns. It's it's more of the of the longevity piece. How long can you do this? Who's going to step in and help you? Who's going to talk about other options with you? What are the options that you have? Can you get a family friend to come in and and help your person? Can you apply for the caregiver assistance? And as a family member, if you uh, apply for it, you can become a caregiver who gets paid. Don't think you're going to make $100,000 a year, though, because you're not. You'd be lucky if you make $15 an hour, $20 an hour. So there's just so much to think about. And you're going to have to have creativity and you're going to have to have patience. And that's just with the time frames. What about with the person? Because when you're engaging with somebody with dementia, a type of dementia, you almost need like a family service coordinator. You need somebody that can help you go with the flow, figure out what you need to do, uh, schedule programs like day programs, schedule somebody to come in and clean the house for them, um, somebody to help you to maybe organize the clothes that they have and uh the belongings that they have and start cataloging things for them and, and looking at, you know, the kind of services that you're going to need to provide for them if you're going to keep them at home. And if you're not going to keep them at home, the other side of that is you've got to look at communities and what you can afford. I've said it over and over that person-centered care communities uh, charge the least amount of money. I have seen all these uh, new startups. People are calling me, what do you think of this place? I'm like, I never even heard of it. I'll Google the place and they're brand spanking new. Well, that's good and it's bad because, honestly, places that are brand new, they have no track record. You have to look and see you know who the executive director is and how long they've been an executive director and where were they an executive director because if they were at a place that is a very task centered place like one of the chinese reits that are owned all over the city all over the country all over the world um they may not be the best people how many how many caregivers do they have per person in the community do the people look happy when you go to a brand new place, they probably have the least amount of experience of anybody. It's somebody oftentimes, not always, but somebody oftentimes who's getting into the game because they see a big payday at eight to $10,000 a month for the person to live there. I had a person call me and say, I was paying $12,000 for my wife to be in a community, but I had to go and feed her every day and help her to the bathroom. That almost causes me to release a bunch of expletives. And I'm not kidding you. Like, are, really? Can this... Can this be real? Can a community have the audacity to charge $12,000 and then have you come in and do all the work? Oh, yes. Yes, they can. And they will if they think they can get away with it. They absolutely will. So trying to keep your person at home may be a better option than going broke If you try to move them into a community and if they have too much money, if they're making too much money to get Medicaid, um, you're going to have to figure something out. You're going to have to figure out day programs. You're going to have to figure out places that they can go with scheduled programming and, and, you know, robust activities, you know, a place that maybe has painting that maybe has a card game going on. Um, a place where somebody can just go and listen to music. In Denver, I have a friend who was on the show in earlier December, and she works with music therapy with people with various dementias. There are music programs. If I get a type of dementia, that's I'm going to go straight to Sarah because I need somebody to engage me with music all day, every day, right? And you have to figure out how you're going to make all this work if your person's anxiety levels skyrocket, how are they going to work with you? I would I would highly recommend going to a counselor. Go and talk to a social worker at a hospital that works in a neurology department or something like that and get your emotions in check. Get an outline of the things you might need to do. Call me. I'll help you. Email me with your concerns because the worst thing that can happen are people that are already dysfunctional in the first place and and you've got a skewed family situation and anxiety levels are high. People talk over each other. People speak rudely to each other and then you bring in a person with, with Alzheimer's or some other type of dementia. I can tell you it's not going to end well. Your person's either going to engage in it with you and and express their fears verbally and act out, or they're going to go back to their room and close themselves off. Nobody wants to interact in that kind of social interaction. I sure don't. I really don't. I I wonder sometimes how people get through the world when they aren't kind to the people that they love. I mean, it falls into the, are you kidding me category? Because we have such a, a hard world. We've got a me, me, me world that we're trying to work within. And Sometimes we take that and translate it back into our own lives where we're rude and unkind to the people that love us. Why do we do that? I don't, I don't understand that. The world is hard enough. You need peace in your household. And I'm telling you, if you don't have that, the last thing you want to do is bring somebody into your home and have them live... When they are losing their intellectual, social abilities, when they are struggling with memory loss, all you're going to do is exasperate all the problems that go along with that and make it worse. If you have family members that are joyful, that have laughter in the house, that have calmness in the house, you're going to have the best journey. If you can keep that joy in the house. And again, music is a major connector with my type of clientele. So learn what kind of music is important to them. Tunes from their childhood, religious hymns, old enzyme. It can be played repeatedly if it brings them joy if it brings them happiness if if they like to sing set up a little karaoke station those things are inexpensive you can get them and you can get all kinds of songs from like the 1930s and the 1950s and stuff like that i i think you ought to incorporate music and exercise because it adds a beat to the rhythm right it adds fun It adds your muscles. It adds enjoyment. It releases endorphins. And even if they're just tapping their toes, it's still positive. It still gets them moving. You're going to have to find a lot of different ways to ask for acceptance and assistance and try to emotionally and physically adjust to what's going to happen. Because I've had people that have told me, like, I've had to move out of our bedroom due to nightmares their person is having. Or it's been hard to sleep since we moved our mom into the house. I'm an emotional wreck. I'm trying to keep up a stiff upper lip, uh... I'm physically and emotionally emotionally drained. I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm scared. I don't want this to happen to me. I had somebody tell me that he feels emotionally dead. He said he feels like he's lost his spirit. He's lost his sense of humor. He says he looks in the mirror and he feels and looks old. And it's taking every bit of energy emotionally, physically to keep an eye on their parent who's now become a child or childlike. And, and reversing those roles of feeling maternal and protective, protective towards someone can be good, but it's also confusing. You've got all this sitting in front of you and more. And you're going to have to figure out a way to maneuver through it and try to decide if this is something that you want. You really have to think about these kind of things and say to yourself, am I emotionally stable enough to extend myself while I'm grieving and I can't complete the process, because it's just an open door for grieving, there's no closure on it until the person dies. We find ourselves crying more easily. Everybody is affected. Everybody is affected. And just wanting to give somebody a good quality of life and maintain their dignity is awesome But when you bring that person into your family dynamic, you have to set up some provisions of training and education and safety and all that kind of stuff so that it doesn't become your worst nightmare. I'm telling you, if you guys could look into my computer and and hear my phone and some of the things people have been telling me throughout this holiday season— I took a week off. I'm in the studio today, but I took a week off just to center myself myself, and give families a chance to kind of chill out a little bit, take a breath. I give them just some of this advice, and then I say I'll call you around the 3rd of January because everybody's in a crisis mode and thinking you're going to fix everything right now. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I'll continue this conversation.
0: Carolina at Bellevue Station is a residential community enriching the senior living experience. Our community, full of grandeur and elegance, is located near Cherry Hills, Colorado. We offer independent living and personalized assisted living services and an intimate, caring neighborhood for our residents with Alzheimer's and other dementias. A beautifully appointed spacious apartment, chef-prepared meals, transportation services, and a team devoted to your safety and wellness are what awaits you when you reside at Carillon at Bellevue Station. Call 720-440-8200 or visit carillon at BellevueStation.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz.
1: Okay, so I'm talking about when you realize something's wrong with somebody you love, they're having memory loss, they're having cognitive issues, and it's happened during the holidays. On top of everything else, we've had flights delayed. We've had people not getting to where they're going. We've got all this drama. Oh, my goodness. And with all of that comes this. You need to separate the immediacy and the drama and the trials and tribulations of the holiday season. Separate it out because you're going to have a whole host of things that are now going to come into play as you start making decisions for this person. Okay? And I'll just kind of run down a few of them if I can think about it. Um, you're going to have to be much more sensitive to that person with a diagnosis. You're the only one that can change the situation. Their brain... Will deteriorate over time, and you have to roll with the punches. And both you and that person could struggle with eating, gaining weight, losing weight. We think about those things all the time. Uh, How well, what is their nutrition? What's our nutrition? You know, it's easy to criticize somebody else eating or not eating or having uh, expired foods and stuff like that, but are you a good eater? Are you a hamburger and french fries person? How are you going to work with them over nutrition? That's top of the list, okay? The other thing is it's tiring and you're going to be sad. You're just going to be. It's not fun knowing that somebody you love is losing their memories, that they're losing their ability to think correctly. That leaves a really empty feeling inside. It's scary. And you honestly, you start lamenting the loss of the person you're losing. What, what is that going to look like for them I hope your top focus is how you can help them through this gently and not make it such a big production because it's already going to be emotional. I guarantee both of you are going to have a certain amount of depression over all of it. These are things we have to watch for too. We can't let people get depressed. That's a, that can become a clinical thing that can be very uh, consuming. And when people get depressed, they lose their sense of purpose. If if they lose their sense of purpose, you're going to be in trouble. We're, we're always stressed and worrying about the future. What is this financially going to cost me? How is this going to change? How is this going to impact my family if my mom or dad moves in with me? What? How is it going to impact my family if I have to go over and take care of them three or four times a day and I miss soccer games, I miss basketball games, I miss all those kinds of things? You'll find yourself not sleeping well. You may find that person quieter and less social, not talking to you quite as much. You could find them talking all the time and not making sense. All of that's going to raise your blood pressure. It's absolutely going to raise your blood pressure. It's it's draining on you. Know this before you go in. I don't like the word stressed. I don't like people to be stressed because stress is chaotic. Stress is being unsettled. Last thing we want to do is is bring that narrative in. It's not, it shouldn't be stressful. It should be a plan. When you have a plan, you work the plan. That's part of the journey. If you don't work the plan, then you have chaos. You have stress. I feel like if you're going to do this, you need to have some type of, of emotional intelligence and emotional resolve to handle the roller coaster that you're going to be on. You can throw yourself on a bed and cry every, you know, 16 months or whatever you want to do. I don't care. You can have your frustration. You're going to be frustrated, but don't let them see it. Go outside and scream if you need to. Take a long walk, whatever it is. But don't have the narrative be around stress because stress, there's no place for stress. There's no place for chaos. That will not work. Use those two words interchangeably and see how you like it because that's not going to work. Stress is exhausting. Executing a plan is a process. When you look at it that way, it's not so daunting. Right? We already have the emotional strife of being heartbroken about the situation. But so does the person with the diagnosis. So talk to them about it. Try and keep them positive. Try to see the things that they can still do. Try and make both of you better and stronger people for what you're trying to accomplish. You know, this is... It's okay... To sit down every so often and have a good cry by yourself or with that person. It's okay. It doesn't matter. But it, it's better than having your hair fall out because you're stressed over it. To me, stress is just ridiculous. I really want you to just strike it from your vocabulary. Reprise, replace the word stress with chaos and you'll see what I mean. Because that's what it is. That's what it's about. And when you have chaos, you're not doing things well, and you end up with things like back pain and, and weight gain and aching joints and all kinds of stuff. Move past that and, and know that this is going to impact all of your decisions. It's going to affect your ability to travel, your ability to move someplace else, your expenses, your family time. You might have somebody put a, put a time limit on it. I had a guy who told his wife, who called me this week, she said, my husband very nicely said that I had 10 years. I have 10 years. And we're going to do everything we can to help my mom And hopefully it will make me a better and more patient person. You know, the thing is, if you understand that it's going to have an emotional impact on you, if you feel like that person doesn't have a good quality of life and you just wish that they would just pass on, then you're probably not going to be the person that's going to walk them through another 10-year journey. And you can pray and you can ask God, I'm in favor of prayers. I'm a believer in God. But as far as I can tell, uh, he hasn't cured anybody of Alzheimer's. That's going to be very controversial here, I'm sure. I'll get lots of letters on that one. But what God can do is help you to be more patient and kind. That's about all I got on that. Because you're going to be in a grieving process, and you're going to be struggling, and you're going to have to try to figure out how to make better communication because communication, some days can be so easy and some days it can be so hard. I got an email from the show from a guy who was telling me that his daughter had tried all the bathing techniques that I had given uh, for his wife. And uh, some days it worked and some days it didn't. And he said, finally, I just get in the shower with my wife. And uh, I help her wash her hair and I just get soaked. And finally, when she gets really wet, she'll take off her nightgown and we can wash her body. And he said, strangely enough, that works. And I was grateful that he sent me that email. And when I first started reading it, I was thinking he was saying, gosh, nothing you've said to me actually works. But he said, the main thing that you told me about taking care of my wife at home is that I have to keep trying new things. And if it works one day, it might not work the next. And that's the crux of the whole thing, right? I think the highest thing on your priority list ought to be educating everybody on what to expect and how to cope with these diseases, Even if somebody lives 100 miles away, educate them. It matters. You know, and it's hard to explain to somebody who's not witnessing the changes on a daily basis. But, and, I shouldn't say but, and, there are people that don't want to know all the details. They, they just don't want to know. They don't want to be a part of it. They might not want to believe it. They want everybody to just be on their best behavior and hold it all together and and all that kind of stuff. But it just doesn't work that way. And if they're having trouble listening to you when you're venting and telling them about some of the problems that you're having, um, invite them to come and stay for a week so you can take a break. I guarantee they'll listen to you after that. Yep. And it's so important that other people understand all the challenges that are going to happen and it's a work in progress. It's a fluid strategy. It's a fluid plan. Because that person might do things you don't expect. They might be better than you think on some days. Um, But rather than you thinking that you'll just share with people every now and again how you're doing and all that kind of stuff. And then you worry that you're nagging or you're worried about pulling other people in to help you. That kind of strategy is not a strategy. That's not even a plan. That's just trying to... Uh, maneuver through it with with nothing. You know, I saw on an insurance commercial one time that if you don't plan, you can plan to fail. So I have show after show after show. I'm getting ready to start my sixth season at the beginning of 2023. And I talk about ways that you can devise a plan. I mean, I I literally you can go on my website and under my blog blog and I can't talk right Uh, blog and podcast. uh, If you just put in making a strategy techniques blah 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 blah, fifty shows will pop up and give you an idea. And you can scroll through and read about what the shows were. I don't leave you at a disadvantage. I try to help you to figure out what it is you're gonna need. What I can tell you for sure, and it's the crux of this whole conversation is, just because you're learning about it today, there's no quick fix. There's no, I mean, it takes time to go through their bank account. It takes time to go through their house and see what they have. It takes time to apply for Medicare. If they're 65, they can automatically be enrolled, but only from October to December 31st Um, for Medicare. And then you have to figure out what parts, you know, B through G or whatever that you want to set them up on. There's, There's got to be things that are put into this plan about how it affects you and how it affects your family and how everybody's going to work within this. And who are your team players going to be? Who's the share of the care plan? Please, 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 as you're waiting for that doctor appointment or the diagnosis, Start putting a plan together that includes more people than just yourself. Okay, folks, we're moving into 2023. We're going to be better for it. You're going to have a challenging next decade. And I will be here for you. Research my shows. Go on my Knowledge Center. Visit SummitResilienceTraining.com. I have loads of information for you listen to my podcast from the last five years, and we will go through the next couple of years together. And I will see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz.
0: You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Joe Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.